there are times when we need to speak to encourage others. Maybe for you, you'll come across someone this week who lost a job, lost a home. Maybe they lost someone that was important to them, a family member or a friend. And it may sound strange coming from a pastoral intern at the front of a church, but I don't know in that moment that they want your Bible bullets shot at them. They may just need you to say, I love you so much. I'm so sorry this has happened. And I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Because sometimes the simplest of speech can have the greatest impact. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning, Point family. Happy Sunday. For those of you that I don't know, my name is Adam. Now, I'm Vicar Adam, not Pastor Adam. Pastor Adam is traveling this week, but he will be back next week. I'm confident in his absence this morning will still go well. If not, Pastor Adam will be back next week. So whether you're with us in this beautiful and historic church in downtown Knoxville, or you happen to be joining on live stream this morning, I'm really glad that you're all with us this morning. So this morning, I want to start just a little bit different than we normally do. I want to start as Paul started many of his letters or epistles in the New Testament. If you go back and look at those letters, there's a common greeting and opening to each of those letters. And as I read those letters this week, a couple of words jumped out at me, grace and peace. Grace is this word that really is the hallmark of Christianity. It's the cornerstone of Christianity. We know that God's grace, uh, it's not our works or anything that we have to do to earn our way into heaven. It's God's grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, that's where our salvation lies. I don't know if anyone's told you this, but your eternity was earned for you 2,000 years ago on this cross when Jesus said, it is finished. And peace, we're told in Scripture that God's peace is a peace that surpasses all understanding. That outside of these doors, there can be viruses and violence and trials and tribulations of every kind. But God's peace guards our hearts and our minds. So I begin this morning as Paul did. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So for the last three weeks, Pastor Adam has been here, and he's been walking through this Simplicity series with you. First, he talked about the propaganda of more, and then Simplicity of the Heart, and last week, Simplicity of Pleasure. If you missed any of those sermon series, you want to go back and watch them or listen to them. They're online uh, at thepointknox.com. But this morning, I get to talk to you about Simplicity of Speech. Now, when Pastor Adam first talked to me about Simplicity of Speech, I didn't know what it was. And I didn't think I was the right guy to be talking to you about simplicity of speech because I'm an extroverted, overly talkative kind of guy. So what is simplicity of speech? 
Does it mean we all have to go back to these caveman utterances? Or we all have to become monks and take a vow of silence and walk around with writing tablets to communicate with one another? Or maybe we adopt the middle school mode of communication that my son and I now adhere to, where I say, hey, JB, how was your day at school? Fine. Well, did you learn anything new or exciting at school today? No. Well, tell me one exciting thing that you learned at school or something good that happened. I don't know. Now, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about simplicity of speech. Simplicity of speech is defined as a disciplined attempt to bring our speech in line with the heart of Jesus, with his inner nature. To learn how to speak like Jesus, to learn how to be silent like Jesus, to learn when we need to speak up and when we need to be silent. And in an attempt to bring our speech in line with the heart of Jesus and his inner nature, something awesome, hap something awesome happens. Our heart and our inner nature begins to change as well. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, we read this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. I heard a quote from Pastor John Mark Comer recently. He said, what is down in the well comes up with the bucket. In James chapter 3, James talks about bits in the mouths of horses, how bits will guide and turn and direct horses, and how rudders on the back of ships help turn and direct ships. So too our tongues turn and guide our speech. These very small things, bits and rudders and tongues, have big impact. There's a process known as sanctification where we grow more and more like Jesus in thought, word, and deed, and our speech should change. Have you ever known anyone that professes to be a follower of Jesus and does what we in the South call cussing? <laughs> Using profanity or inappropriate speech all the time? Now, before my entire family on this side of the sanctuary calls me out, I have been guilty of this in the past. And I'll further confess that by in the past, I mean yesterday afternoon in Turkey Creek on our way to Red Robin. <laughs> but I heard a pastor one time refer to it this way, and I think this is good. He says that profanity really is a poverty of words, that God gives us the capacity for speech. It's what separates us from the animals. He gives us these strong minds. But when we resort to profanity, we tell other people, I have nothing better, nothing richer, nothing more articulate that I can say to you, so I just have to resort to profanity, this poverty of words. As I'm sure you'd agree, our speech and our silence have enormous impact on others around us. The secular world and scripture talk a lot about our speech and our words, because our speech and our words can elicit the highest of highs in life. Think about a beautiful poem or a classic novel, words that were spoken to you by a friend that resonated in your heart when you were hurting. The Bible itself is a collection of words and speech, but our words can elicit the lowest lows in life as well. Speech that is slanderous and derogatory and judgmental, manipulative, and full of hate. The kind of words that leave other people hollow 
and hurting. So using Jesus as our example of how to simplify our speech to bring our speech in line with his heart and inner nature, we need to learn how, when, how to speak and when to speak. There are times when we need to speak. February is Black History Month. Last month we celebrated MLK Day. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who's actually born Michael King, but later adopted the name Martin Luther after the 16th century reformer, Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights activist, once said this. He said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. There are times we need to speak on behalf of others. As followers of Jesus, we should speak out against injustices. We should rally around the disenfranchised and the marginalized and the oppressed. There are times we need to speak on behalf of others. Maybe for you this week it happens over lunch or a group at work or maybe uh, in your neighborhood. There'll be slander and rumor that's being spread about someone. And conveniently, it's always about the person who's not in a group at the time. That person may need you to defend them in love. They may need you to speak up, speak out. There are times we need to uh, speak to protect others. In 2010, the Department of Homeland Security began a campaign to encourage people to report suspicious activity, terrorist activity, to Homeland Security, to, to law enforcement. Their motto was, if you see something, say something, because there are times we need to speak to protect others. There are times we need to speak to encourage others. My son and daughter just finished their basketball and cheer season at their school just down the road. And how do you think they would feel if they looked up in the stands and I just sat in total silence, like a department store mannequin, and I didn't say anything? Or maybe I just leaned over on Amber and took a nap. No, they need to hear from me. They need to know that I'm cheering for them, that I'm pulling for them. And not just in basketball, but in life. I know my words can affect them positively and negatively. I want to build them up. I don't want to tear them down. Parents, our kids will live up to or down to the words that we speak over them. They need to know in this world where they're bullied at school and they're bullied online and they're told they're not good enough and they're told they don't fit in, they need to know they're loved by God, by us. They need to know all the good that they're capable of. There are times when we need to speak to encourage others. Maybe for you, you'll come across someone this week who lost a job lost a home. Maybe they lost someone that was important to them, a family member or a friend. And it may sound strange coming from a pastoral intern at the front of a church, but I don't know in that moment that they want your Bible bullets shot at them. They may just need you to say, I love you so much. I'm so sorry this has happened. And I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Because sometimes the simplest of speech can have the greatest impact. There are times we need to speak for others. There's times we need to speak for ourselves. If you're hurting or you're struggling, please don't do that in silence, because I've tried that and it doesn't work. We need to tear down the stigma that speaking up and seeking help is a sign of weakness, because that's a lie. We need to talk to someone. We need to share our struggles. 
Men, we're the worst at this. The absolute worst. And we deserve better. Our families deserve better. Our communities deserve better. I recently went with Pastor Adam to a circuit meeting of all of the LCMS pastors in East Tennessee. And because I'm the intern and I didn't want to say or do anything stupid, I just kind of listened most of the time. But what I observed is these pastors were confessing to one another. They were speaking words of love and encouragement to one another. They were reminding each other that they are forgiven. Pastors, everyone has struggles. I myself am involved in a group that meets weekly. It's a place where a group of men come together to study God's Word, but we take off the masks. We stop hiding the hurt. We speak without the fear of being made fun of. There are times when we need to speak for ourselves. So if you use Jesus as an example of when to speak, there are countless references in Scripture that I could point to. But I chose one because I think sometimes we often think of Jesus as this very meek and mild man. And he was. But Jesus was very bold in his speech as well. Go back and look and see how Jesus spoke about the Pharisees, the religious elite. He had a few choice words for them. He called them hypocrites, blind guides, fools, serpents, a brood of vipers. Yikes. So there's a reference in Scripture, a couple of references, to what's referred to as Jesus cleansing the temple. One in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and another in John. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. So this scene, we see uh, Jesus going into the temple in Jerusalem, this holy place. He finds that the money changers have turned the temple into a place of business and commerce. They've set up booths. And Jesus is uh, not very happy about it. See, many had come from many miles around to worship in the temple, but the temple was crowded with the selling of overpriced animals for sacrifice, and the money changers were deceiving and taking advantage of foreigners who didn't know the actual exchange rate to obtain the temple coins to pay the temple tax. So let's read a little bit in Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. We'll read a little bit of that account where Jesus says, It is written... My house shall be called a house of prayer, which is a reference to Isaiah 56, 7. Shall be called a house of prayer, but you, you make it a den of robbers. In John chapter 2, we get an even more colorful explanation, an account of Jesus cleansing the temple. In John chapter 2, verse 15, we read this. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Jesus was making whips and flipping tables. He was calling them out. He knew he had to speak. There are times when we need to speak. There are times when we need not speak, or perhaps speak less. Proverbs 10.19 says, when words are many Transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I remember my very first course in college, I think it was a philosophy course, the professor was fed up with an overly talkative student, and the professor told the student this in front of the class. He said, it's better for others to think you a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. 
And for those of you wondering, it was not me, so shame on you all. <laughs> that guy should have restrained his lips, as the proverb says. There are times when we don't need to speak. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Not responding in traffic in Turkey Creek. Not having to have the last word on social media. Those are really good things. And I will tell you, as a licensed attorney in the state of Tennessee, you have the right to free speech. It's afforded to you pursuant to the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. I will also tell you, under the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution, you have the right to just be quiet, stay silent. How many of us point to the First Amendment when we really need to take advantage of the Fifth? There are times when we need to speak, but speak less. Amber's grandfather, who she affectionately called Pawpaw, I met before he passed away and got to know him. He was a wonderful man. But he was probably one of the quietest and most unassuming men I've ever met. He didn't talk much, but when he did speak, when he did, others listened. And when he did speak, it was something that was on point, it was profound, and it was worth listening to. Over the years, he had just developed this disciplined habit to speak less. When we speak less, people listen. When we speak less, an amazing thing happens. Other people get a chance to talk. We have to be comfortable with the pregnant pauses and the awkward silences. It's awkward, so I try to fill them far too often. I love this quote. I heard this a while back, and it stuck with me. I hope it does with you as well. It says, in our conversations, we often speak to be interesting, not interested. We often speak to be interesting, not interested. I'll go so far and add to that to say, if you're not asking questions in your conversations, you may be doing it wrong. There are times when we should speak less. Maybe the environment or the situation or the venue isn't the most appropriate to have a certain conversation. Situations where high stress, our speech comes out and our words wound and have real consequences. So you can't see my paper, you have to take my word for it, but there's a break here because I debated whether I wanted to share this with you, but I think it needs to be shared. Uh, it's a deeply personal story, it's one between my dad and I. It was the fall of 2002, and I was getting ready to graduate college, I was at Amber's apartment, and I was on the phone and I had a disagreement with my dad. It was really an argument. And like most arguments, you may agree, we weren't really arguing about the thing that we were supposed to be arguing about. It was about something different entirely. For me, I can tell you many years after the fact, it was 20 years of a lot of animosity and frustration that had built up underneath the surface. My parents divorced when I was two. It's not very amicable. Uh, so I was frustrated. Frustrated that my family didn't look like other families. Frustrated that my dad, my hero, this idol, this larger-than-life man, this head football coach, I got to see for three hours a week on Wednesday evenings pursuant to the parenting plan. Frustrated that when I wanted to see him and spend the night with him, I had to pack a bag and go to a different city every other weekend. Frustrated that holidays weren't what I watched in commercials or Hallmark movies. They weren't gathered around the tree on Christmas morning. It was spent going from parent to parent, from grandparent to the other grandparent, 
hoping I wouldn't be late and someone would be upset. So I was frustrated, and all of this anger erupted in this verbal volcano. And before I hung up the phone, I said words that I regret to this day. I said words that weren't honoring to my dad. I said words that weren't honoring to my God. And I told my dad, I said, I never want to speak to you again. And for six years, six years between father and son, not a word was spoken. There was silence. Because of my words, my dad didn't see how beautiful Amber looked on our wedding day. Because of my words, my dad didn't see me obtain a degree that I worked so hard for. So you'll have to believe me when I tell you there are times when we need to speak less. Now I'm happy to tell you my dad and I have reconciled. Our relationship has been restored, thanks be to God. It's stronger now than it's ever been and we talk almost every single day. He plays a vital role in the lives of my family and, and in my life. And I want to guard my speech and simplify my speech in line with the heart of Jesus and his inner nature so that our relationship stays that way. If we use Jesus as an example of when we should restrain our speech, let's look at Mark chapter 15 and read together beginning in the chapter 15 verse 1. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes in the whole council. And they bound Jesus, and they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, I love this, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things, and Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Jesus made no further answer. He was silent. He didn't speak. Why would he do that? Well, go back and look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. There's an earlier prophecy about what's going to happen with this coming Messiah. Jesus was this long-awaited Messiah. In Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus suffered and he died for you. He came to overcome sin, death, and the devil for you. When we take communion in a few weeks again, Pastor Adam will tell you the body of Christ given for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. That's who Jesus was. But before his crucifixion and resurrection, he lived as an example. So our responsibility in our speech and in our life is to bring our speech and words in line with the heart of Jesus, his inner nature, to become more and more like him in thought, word, and deed. Like any good practice, this will take practice, but I have a few things that we can do this week. If you're an extrovert or you're a talker like me, 
Maybe a few times a day we should make a conscious effort to just enjoy the silence. Maybe we can create a disciplined habit like Paul of speaking less, letting other people talk, restraining our speech, be interested in them instead of trying to be interesting. There will be awkward silences, but you have to kind of work through those. Try it. Ask questions and listen to what the other person is saying. Introverts, those of you hiding behind the pews and underneath the pews at this point. This week, talk more. Grow in confidence. Find your voice. Speak with purpose and power. Be bold like Jesus when the situation calls for it. If it's necessary and proper, do so. Be comforting to other people. And if talking to someone face-to-face is just causing too much anxiety, then write them a, a letter, send them an email, send them a text. But you don't know how much your words may be needed and may encourage other people. So I would encourage you to do that. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your son Jesus, for what he is for us. Father, we ask this week that you guide our speech and our words. Let us be bold and speak up when we need to speak up. Father, help us restrain our words and speech when we need our words and speech restrained. We thank you for sending your son for us. It's in your son's name, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So at this point, we'll take up our tithes and offerings. If you came today prepared to give and want to do so uh, with cash, check, or chocolate, I'll take the chocolate. Uh, There's popcorn buckets in the back of the uh, sanctuary. You can do so there. You can also give on the pointknox.com. There's a little teal icon, kind of that color. Uh, You can do one-time gifts, or you can do what I do because I'm forgetful and just set a remittance and just let uh, let it do it for you. But as Pastor Adam often tells us, we give not to get God's love, but because we've already, we already have it. Thank you. Hello there. Hello. This is the time for tw- questions and answers. That's what Pastor Adam normally <laughs> says, right? He does, but that's okay. I knew okay. it. I knew it, what, what we were doing. Um, so yeah, any questions? We have some good questions today. Okay, good. Um, and one announcement. Do you want questions first or an announcement? Let's do questions. Okay, that makes sense. If they're too difficult, I'm going to punt for Pastor Adam. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first one, I'm just going to dive right in. All right. Does the point... No, this is not the one I meant to say. <laughs> Diving right in. This is a, I can answer this one pretty easily, or you can. Does the point have a place where people can go, meet, call, or text to get advice or prayer for struggles? Yes. Pastor Adam, thepointknox.com. Mm-hmm. Carrier pigeon. Mm-hmm. A- <laughs> yeah, um, that same, uh, it's not up there anymore, but the same like icon for giving, there's a place you can uh, have prayer requests. And then if you go to thepointknox.com slash contact us, Pastor Adam literally has like his phone number and email and everything, and he like loves connecting. You should totally take him up on that. Also, the re- like, I think a lot of us want to connect, not just him. 100%. Sorry, I totally... We all like coffee. We'll all have a beer. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Okay. Oh, more, so many more questions came in while I was... so Okay, woo! All right. Well, I'm just going to power on through. This is the first time I've had a microphone today. I think I'm like a little... I have to like get used to it. Okay. 
Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? And with the population at that time limited to their family, ooh, ooh, how did the human race grow? We're going to go there, right? Uh, (laughs) I think we've talked about this before. I'm pretty sure this sounds familiar. I would be of the opinion that they do not have belly buttons okay. because of the story of creation, how they were created, right? Yeah. Out of dust, did not, yeah, there's yeah. no need for a belly button in that sense. Bypass the belly button. No belly button. Yeah. And we're just going to... We're just going <laughs> to... There's a small family that grows to a larger family. Yeah. How's that? yeah. We all know how it happens. Okay. Maybe not all of us. <laughs> Are we ever going to pass around the popcorn buckets again? They're in the back of the sanctuary. We could pass them around if we wanted to. Did we do that at, what, at uh, the movie theater? Yeah. Okay. At one point. Yeah. We can pass them around if you want to. Sure. Probably not today, though. <laughs> in the future, we can pass them yeah. around. Yeah. Micah's back there with a the popcorn bucket. He's real friendly. He can get to know a new friend. Um, are we going back to the empty cup this year? I would assume they're asking about Ash Wednesday. I don't know that we're going to do Ash Wednesday at the Empty Cup. I think we will probably plan to do it here at the mm-hmm. point, but the Empty Cup is awesome, and mm-hmm. you don't need a special occasion to go by and have a great cup of coffee. True. So go there. Okay. Now, here's a hard one. Oh, boy. Jesus' silence came as he was being attacked and slandered. How do you restrain your tongue when your reputation is under attack? Ugh. Me personally, not well. Um, but he was Jesus and we're not. But... I think there's this connection, uh, as you look at Jesus in his life, this constant connection and reminder about doing God's will. And so I think in that moment, as broken people, we want to win. Mm-hmm. We want to one-up the other person. We want to um, get the upper leg, so to speak. So I think it's just reminding ourselves, is it appropriate in this speech? Is it in line with Jesus' heart and his inner nature for me to say this thing? And probably in that moment may not be the right time to respond. You know, it might be that you need to defend yourself. It might be that you need to speak truth to the other person about how you're feeling, but Uh, In that moment, it may not be the best time to do that. But Mm -hmm. Jesus was keenly aware of uh, the Father's will for his life, so I think he was able to navigate that better than we can. There is a chance Jesus was able to navigate it better than we can. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Okay, um, why do we call Jesus Jesus? Isn't that from Greek translations? Why wouldn't we call him Joshua from the Hebrew Yeshua? Wouldn't that be more appropriate since he was a Jew? I thought we were friends. You guys are giving me questions of Hebrew, <laughs> Greek, and Adam will have to expound upon or correct this if it's, if it's wrong. Uh, but Jesus does come from the Greek translation, Jesus. If you look at the word, you wouldn't be able to get that. But it's a Greek translation. It's Koine Greek. But I think it's taken from a translation from that Yeshua or Hebrew word. So I think because the New Testament translates it, Yeshua or Jesus, that's why we say Jesus. I think it's more important that we call upon his name than to try to specifically figure out which one's right, which one's wrong. Yeah. For all his name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, All these questions come in anonymously, so I don't know who you are, but I think I would like to be friends with this one. Okay. I must correct you, Pastor. The thing that separates us from the animals is our ability to accessorize. (laughs) Thank you so much for being real. My question is this. Is it okay to love Jesus and still want to slap people? I think you may want to slap people, but don't slap people. (laughs) If you love Jesus, you won't want to do that. You'll love your neighbor. But yeah, a lot of us can love Jesus and still want to slap people. (laughs) Okay, one more question just came in. Uh, so we have that plus uh, the announcement. So 
why do people say Jesus is there for you, but wasn't there during 9-11? Hmm. Oh, God, you guys have been good to me for the last few weeks, and then you give me all the doozies. Jesus tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he will always be with us. Now, does that mean that bad things aren't going to happen? No, Jesus himself says, in this world you will have trouble. So why do bad things happen? Where is Jesus in the midst of mass deaths like that? I don't know. That's a, that's a very difficult question. But I think we have to believe that God is a good God. He has plans that are bigger than, uh, than this life, and I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Yeah. And we live in a broken world. I mean, this world is broken. It's full of sin. So the idea that we would expect a pain-free, perfect world, unfortunately, is just not the reality of our, at least of our present circumstance. We're mm-hmm. in this already and not yet. Jesus has come, but he's not yet returned. When he does return, those types of things won't happen. Yeah. And also, I don't know is a perfectly great answer for some really hard yeah. questions. Um, okay. Announcement. Hello, all ladies. Just an announcement that we will have a Beth Moore Bible study on the book of Esther beginning Sunday, March 20th, literally one month from today, after church. I added the literally one month from today part. Um, More info and registration to come. Feel free to reach out to Deanna Farmer with any questions. Deanna Farmer, would you be willing to like wave your arm real fast? She's in the back. So if you want to join her on March 20th for a Beth Moore Bible study over Esther, she's really nice. She'd love to talk to you. I believe that's it for questions. I don't, that's a lie. One more just came in. Okay. It was, it was a statement. Jesus was there on 9-11. That is, that is how his children got home. Okay. Okay. The benediction. That is the end of the questions and texts. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.